The Spectator magazine combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, plus a £20 Amazon gift voucher, absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher. Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American power, politics and society. On each episode, I will talk to an American expert or an expert on America about something that's going on in America in 2023. I am delighted to be joined in the Spectator's offices for the first time, uh, a regular contributor to our pages, uh, Joel Kotkin who is a fellow on, in urban studies at Chapman University in Orange County, California. Is it Orange County, yeah, California? Yes. And uh, he's here visiting London. And I thought, great opportunity to catch up with you, Joel, um, because you are one of the most interesting writers, I think, on class in America, on what's going on in American cities. And a story I thought we should start by talking about is this strike that's going on in America, quite a substantial strike of the UAW, United Auto Workers Union. And what's been interesting this week is on Tuesday, Joe Biden joined the picket line and tried to sort of burnish his credentials with the unions. And he is popular with the unions. Or well, um, the union leadership anyway. Union leadership, exactly. <laughs> very, very different. And then yesterday you had Trump, who is quite popular with quite a lot of union memberships. Right. And he did an address to some union workers, uh, auto workers in Michigan, which of course is a very key state. It's a swing state and uh, sort of probably a bellwether blue collar state, could you say? Yeah. Well, and of course there was a time when Michigan was a blue state. You didn't even think if you're a Republican about winning in Michigan. Yes. But that's changed over the last 10 years. Just like 10 years ago, you still had Republicans in California. Now they're essentially extinct. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And of course, Donald Trump won Michigan in 2016. Biden won it back in 2020. But what's interesting to me is you have a Republican president and a Democratic president both trying to outdo each other as being on the side of the unions, on the side of the blue-collar workers. What's going on there? Well, I think there are two things going on. One is on the bread-and-butter issues historically, let's say like health care, worker protections, the Democrats are offer more than the Republicans. But what the Democrats have done is this alliance with the sort of you know, sort of the green uh, fanatics, I guess. Is the zealots, yeah. Yeah, the zealots who are also, I think, and, you know, I'm betraying my instruction in Marxism as a young man, but, but you know, th- there's enormous amounts of money being made in this transition to EVs. There's a reason why Elon Musk is the richest man in the world. All the big Wall Street banks want this EV transition. But the problem is, and I think Trump will score on this, is that the EV transition is a disaster for American workers on numerous levels. I mean, part of it is is obviously uh, EVs use less labor. The high value added will be mostly in China. Um, That's where the batteries are going to come from, or certainly the components of the batteries are going to come from, maybe some from Vietnam as well. And so what you're going to see is far less demand for labor. Then the new plants, because they're going to have to build new plants, the new plants aren't going to be built in union states. They're going to, if you take a look at EV battery plants, they're all in, almost all 
Tennessee, uh, Texas, um, Nevada, because, you know, frankly, if, if, if you're starting off, why would you go to a state where you're going to have to deal with a union that wants much more money and is much more likely to go on strike than a, a workforce in a rural Mid-South town where you know, a $25 an hour job is considered to be a really good deal. And why would I want to mess that up? I mean, you have to realize there have been Japanese and Korean and German plants in all these states, and they've had no labor problems, basically. Yeah. Their biggest problem is is skills upskilling, and the union doesn't particularly help you with that either. I think for British listeners, and certainly I'm guilty of this, we tend not to think about the power of labor. Labor is a, is a political force or movement. Obviously, there's no labor party. Because because there's it's never really had a sort of obvious political representation. We don't think about um, the power of industrial action in America, but but American history has been dotted with oh sure uh, very substantial industrial actions which have changed its history. Well, I mean, look, I'm I've been a union member myself. Yeah. Um, that happens to be the Screen Actors Guild, but you know. Um, well, I was going to get <laughs> onto that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but 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 I think that one of the things that 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 what you find is. I think America did have a very aggressive history. The Democratic Party was pretty much the political vehicle. Um, now, there had been a period where some of the labor was uh, socialist and some of it was even communist, like, for instance, uh, Harry Bridges and the people on the West Coast ports. Eugene Debs would have been... A socialist. Yeah, socialist. Yeah. Some, somebody that, that my paternal grandmother uh, voted for. Oh, really? Um, yes. Yeah. Was when he was in jail. Uh, in 2020, uh, 1920, yeah. the proto-Trump uh, experiment. <laughs> well, he, he was a uh, he was an interesting figure, but the, but the, but the reality is, but unions have always been affiliated with the Democratic Party. They will support Republicans if they feel the Republicans are are on their side. I think that, and I think what's really fascinating is not so much Trump because you know Trump does things for complete egotistical reasons and. You know, I, I mean, in some ways, he, he he does show a certain kind of barbaric intelligence. But 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 the fact that you got Marco Rubio and and, and Josh Hawley, prominent conservative Republican senators, also supporting that, you would have never seen it. But part of that reason, and this is the flip side, is corporate America has gotten woke, and as it's become woke the Republicans don't like them anymore. Mm. So there used to be this very close alliance between big corporations and the Republicans. It's gone. Yes. You know, it's, it's like they used to call the Episcopal Church the Republican Party at prayer. Yeah. And, yeah. and and now it's the Episcopalians, besides, you know, diminishing rapidly, are, are very woke. And, well, this touches on uh, something you've written a lot about, and you've got a book called The, the Coming of Neo-Feudalism. And that's that... Middle class people increasingly are identifying with labor causes because they, the way technology is working, it's coming after them in the way it came after working yes. class jobs, blue collar jobs in the, in the, for the last 50 years. Now the professional class are under threat. And we have this interesting strike in Hollywood, yes. which has just ended. Um, well, the, the actors are still on strike, aren't they? The actors are still on strike, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I suppose what I'm getting at there is that Labour is becoming a more popular cause, or the, the supporting unions is becoming a more popular cause among the middle classes because they are now threatened. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I think also, you know, many of us have come from backgrounds where our parents or our grandparents were union members. 
and provided a decent a decent uh, life mm. for for them, particularly the immigrant families coming in around the turn of the century. And uh, so, I think that's part of. But uh, as you point out, AI is a threat right aimed at at the head of large parts of the professional classes, accountants. I'm working on a report for the Stockholm Chamber of Commerce on the long-term impacts of, of AI. Mm-hmm. So this is just some of the things we're seeing. A lot of the the jobs like paralegals, that's another p- profession I think that's going to be under a lot of trouble. I think you're going to need probably fewer doctors over the long term. You know, you'll still have the doctor at the very top, but more and more things are being done by robot. So although the working class, traditional working class is threatened, it's now affecting people. So like if you look at where the jobs had been increasing over the last 20 or 30 years, I think that's that's coming to an end. And so people understand that there's something going on that's squeezing even the middle middle. And it's not just uh, technology, it's the cost of housing, which used to be much lower relative to incomes. So the middle class is, is, is being, in a sense, being somewhat radicalized. And, it, and it's sort of expressing itself in two ways. One is a, the Trumpian you know, anger uh, routine, and, you know, and, and I can understand that. Um, and the other side is, is the support that Bernie Sanders had. I'm, yeah. I, I'll tell you, I had an interesting thing. I gave a talk at a conference which um, Jeff Bezos arranged in. And I thought it was really funny, you know. So Jeff came to me and said, I, this is 2016, he said, I don't understand, why are people voting for Trump and, and Bernie Sanders? And I said, <laughs> get a mirror. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's obvious, you know, people, a, a guy being worth hundreds of billions of dollars having a, a yacht that's that's the size of, a, of an aircraft carrier. I mean, that's, you know, people look at that and say, does somebody really have to be worth four or five hundred billion dollars? And 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 frankly, um, and this goes back to some of the British political writing, which is, it's just dangerous to have somebody with that much power. It just it doesn't matter whether they got it honestly or dishonestly. I mean, Bezos is is a genius, and he and I think he he you know he changed a lot of things. But is it right that he then goes and buys the the Washington Post and turns it into sort of um, you know? Pravda, (laughs) you know, is it, is it right or is it proper that these people would have so much influence? Is it right that Mark Zuckerberg can change elections by putting hundreds of, of millions of dollars? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's sort of the, the, there's this, this conflict. Now, the interesting part is the left in America, such as it is, has decided to, in some sense, ally at least temporarily with with the oligarchs, mm. and we'll see when the when the rubber hits the road when when whether that's going to maintain. Yes, I mean the, the um, we touched on wokeness there, but part of the reason why that wokeness has such power within corporations, I think, is if you look at big tech. They don't actually need to employ very many people. Right. And they've actually, a lot of them have scaled back recently, but certainly from 2016 to 2020, they had quite large headcounts compared to what they needed to do. And if you have overemployment in a company, you need to find jobs for people. And so a lot of it becomes HR and diversity, inclusion, quotas, et cetera, et cetera. Except that X, uh, Musk has gotten rid of that. He's he's got rid of that, yeah, Yeah. but to much harumphing. Right. And, I mean, that's – that. so in a sense, the the sort of middle class at war with itself because a lot of the safe jobs are in very well-protected corporate, woke, 
jobs. Right. And so th- that that's one avenue. Or there's the sort of actual real fear about people who do real work uh, not being able to do real work anymore because those jobs won't exist. Well, and then this gets us back to the UAW and what um, what the green agenda does, which is the one thing that can't be easily replaced are plumbers, uh, electricians, people who actually do uh, maintain the machinery. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the problem is they're afraid that all those jobs will be uh, exported because like in California where I live, you can't do a manufacturing. You no, you'd have to be insane to start a manufacturing plant unless it was completely and totally subsidized, because between the labor laws and the environmental laws, so you, you, what you're seeing is the export of all sorts of jobs. And then the other thing that's important about Silicon Valley, about three quarters of the workforce isn't even American citizens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you touch on skilled artisans there, right. plumbers and so on, and, and that's certainly happening in Britain too. Of, of they are, their social standing is going up, their economic value is going up. Uh, they're becoming increasingly a part of the, the economy. That well, they're taking a bigger share of the economy. What's that mean about you know working class identity, working class power? If actually the old working classes are in fact more important to the economy than than the professional classes. Well, that certainly, that came out a great deal during the pandemic where, you know, in a way you almost wanted to, to you know, to, to give, a, you know, you know, give some sort of accolade to the guys who drove the trucks, who delivered the food that, because they were still working. You know, the, the people who were, you know, running the medical clinics, the people who were, you know, the, the garage repair guys, all, all those people who, Continue to go to work. I have to say, my my older daughter works at Home Depot, and she worked right through the pandemic, ne- never stopped. And and I think that there, whereas her dad, who had a relatively cushy university job, I didn't have to show up at work at all. I I mean, I I taught online, but you know that was, you know that was much easier. So I I think that there what there is is there's a potential for a rising working class. The problem is by marrying the greens they've made it almost impossible to gain a lot of the working class. Because, you know, if if the reason you can't buy a house is because the Greens won't allow them to build on the, the periphery, and so there's there's no cheap housing. I mean, let's face it, where are you going to get cheap housing in, in, you know, the middle of New York City or you're going to, or San Francisco or or London for that matter? So basically the Green regime makes what is already a difficult situation much more difficult. And... You know, this is where Biden, what is Biden going to say with the UAW workers? He's going to say, well, we're going to give you another, like as has happened here, we'll give you another five years. I don't know if he can do that because he's so, I mean, obviously one of the biggest problems dealing with this particular administration is there's doesn't seem to be anybody with cognitive ability theoretically making decisions. Obviously, there must be some intelligent person somewhere in in that administration, but I don't think it's the president, and it's certainly not the vice president. So so now, I think there will be an attempt. We're sort of seeing it with Newsom in California, who is far more uh, cognitively uh, adept than the president, which isn't saying much, but where he's beginning to sort of stop some of the more extreme green stuff as well as and of course the other part of that that's alienating the working class is the cultural agenda i mean you know if you have essentially a situation where being a white male is disqualifying 
And even if you're a white male from Appalachia, you know, whose family has been living in poverty for 300 years, but somebody who comes from, you know, a successful African-American family is going to be promoted over you in, for justice reasons. So one of the things that's also happening is that, that all the sort of cultural agenda stuff is alienating, obviously, a lot of white voters, but also a lot of Hispanic voters, uh, Muslim voters. You think, you think most, most uh, practicing Muslims are in favor of, of transgender bathrooms? I, <laughs> I, 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 just, I, I don't quite get that. Well, I think, for, as it is in Britain, these things often uh, validate their faith right. because they feel this is what the West has become. And they're, uh, and they're right. Yeah, and they're right. They have I mean, a point. I mean, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm, you know, I mean, I, I, I go to synagogue some of the time, but, you know, I'm not a religious person. But I understand, the, particularly as, as a father, I actually feel it more as a father. Like, I don't want these ideologies, you know, when my, do, did I want my daughters at age five to go to a drag queen story hour? Why a drag queen story hour? Would have been better off to have... Some uh, somebody reading stories dressed up as a colonial person or in 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 Civil War uniforms that would have been better. But why why are we why, why do I send my kids to Disneyland and and have them have to see a a, a princess who's got a mustache? Yes. Well, I'm um, intentionally. Uh, <laughs> the I mean, the, but the the Democrats can't. Uh, I mean, maybe Gavin Newsom could dial it down a bit. Right. They can't really afford to battle this agenda because it's been their agenda for so long and it is that it has a lot of votes behind it i mean and, it's not it has more money than votes more money than votes well i i mean among young people i think it is a driver it is although um, what's really interesting what we're seeing in the in some of the early polling is the males are becoming more conservative yes. and the xers are becoming more conservative xers are the generation between millennials and boomers yes and the xers are now uh, definitely more to the right. And what we're finding is young men are also going to the right because they, they feel like, well, the, it's, it's stacked against me. I, you know, yes. I mean, and I know, I know it firsthand. I remember applying for a job years ago and being told at a ma major newspaper, we're not hiring white males. Yes. Yeah. That, you know, that, and, and I had, I had been nominated for the Pulitzer by the Washington post and I couldn't, and, and at a paper not as good as the Washington Post, that's the answer I heard? Yes. Well, I know I did notice that uh, in repeated polls, that Washington Post won last weekend, but even in polls before that, Trump has a quite significant lead over, up to a 10-point lead over Biden on with voters between the ages of 18 to 35. And a lot of that is from young men drifting rightwards, embracing... And then the other thing is young families, you know, mothers who are, are concerned about... You know, what are their kids being taught in school? Because during the pandemic, people started realizing what was or was not being taught. And well, and you see this in Canada, too, now with the, yes. the protests there. There's, there's obviously a large public reaction. I don't know if you've heard this song that has been doing oh, oh, the one the in Rich Men North of Richmond. Right. And that's, I mean, it's mostly being shared by middle class people as a sort of uh, slightly saccharine kind of phony folk song but the fact that so many people are attracted to that song and it's gone so viral and so big and the trump movement has embraced it and it's really a song about i'll just explain for listeners who haven't heard it, it's a song uh about how crap life is in america today 
um, because rich people care more about miners on an island, a reference to Jeffrey Epstein, than they do about real miners. And, right. And there's sort of references to fentanyl deaths and stuff like that. And all these working class issues that have been talked about in America a lot, but they, this song has gone completely nuts. I don't know if you saw, did you see Trump being shown it? No. <laughs> it was a typical Trump moment. These these fans, Trump fans were trying to show him, you know, what they're into. And, and Trump has obviously vaguely heard of it. And he said, oh, that guy was, he was on a bus and now he's flying in a plane. <laughs> it was classic Trump, just not really getting what they were talking about. But, uh, I, I mean, have, well, have, you have noticed that song, have you? And, oh, yeah. You know, and, 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 and the cultural issues, I mean, it's very interesting. There was, there was that movie, a movie about, about trying to get kids who, had, who were being trafficked. And, you know, it did incredibly well. You even go to Top Gun. I, I have a very close friend who uh, is one of the biggest agents in Hollywood, and 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 he he was saying, you know, what's what, what they they don't realize is in, in in our business. And by the way, he's a very liberal Democrat. He said our business is not about. He says if you want to send the message, you use Western Union. You know, and and what they do is they do these movies. Now some you got to give credit. Barbie did very well, and it had a kind of wokeish me- message, but. So you can some sometimes there are movies that the original Avatar that do very well, but a lot of them do really badly. Then I, I wrote about this recently. You know the the number of canceled series, and now that we're in the post Black Lives Matter era, there's beginning to be think you know thinking about you know because of my backgrounds in the cl- in classical history, I I I was like when they they cast Cleopatra as black, and I said, well, I'm sorry, Cleopatra was Greek. I mean, you know that was just and you knew they were Greek because they married their sisters and brothers, so there wasn't probably a lot of mixing going on. And then, of course, the, the horrible thing, this is an essay I did for Quillette, is there was a there was a long period where Africans actually did control Egypt. And, and why not celebrate that? And that I'd be interested in seeing. But to make up that Cleopatra was something, we, it's not like we're talking about somebody who lived 5,000 years ago and there's no record. The, the, the Romans had, believe me, if she was black, the Augustus would have mentioned it. If, if she if she was black, her pictures would look black. So, you know, in, in a way, so I think people are reacting, um, not obviously, not my antiquarian approach, but but uh, but I, they're looking at things like, well, that, that doesn't make any sense. And so part of it is also this sort of Hollywood sort of, you know, whereas once Hollywood, I think, did ignore minorities and, and for instance, did portray... Uh, Native Americans in very stereotypic and not very sometimes not very nice ways. Now, now they're all wise, you know, you know, they're all wise. And I had one student, um, very smart student, I gave her an A. So uh, you know, just to show that I, I'm not prejudiced at all. But you know, she said her, her whole thing was, well, you know, the, the, the patriarchy, which is a product of Western capitalism. And I said to her, I, and I really liked her. I said, you ever been to Japan? <laughs> you know, you haven't been to China. Yeah. You, you you think these these countries were were, you know, open to women. So what you have is an, also a cultural conf going on, an yeah. attempt to really recreate history. Um, and being of Russian descent myself, I know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, you just take huge parts of of the historical story, like just like say UK, you could say, well, the British Empire did some really brutal and horrible things it also did a lot of really good things mm. and anyway it's over with so why don't why don't we say well what could we have learned what advantages i mean you walk the streets of london 
And, you know, it, it sometimes it feels more like the streets, like Mumbai, than it does the London I first went to in 1969. Mm. And, I, and, and so instead, of, I think the problem is we have a, a, a sort of very sort of, if you will, classic reactionary worldview. And then you have a, a, a worldview that is just completely artificial and is just being, you know, as the Russians would call it, agitprop. Yes. You know, it, um, and and so all these issues, and they're they're complicated. There's some people, it's cultural. Some people, it's economic. And and a lot of it, I think, is also family. So one of the biggest dis- distinctions, I think, in American politics will be those who have kids and those who don't. Yes. I mean, they're, they're like from different planets. Like, you know, like people I know who are single may very well say, oh, what's wrong with a drag queen story hour? Yeah. Well, you because you don't have a five year old. Yeah. I I don't want to sit there and, and 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 have you know my my daughter say, well, I'm not sure what sex I am. You know. Yeah. And now look, if somebody has the desire to do that, that's fine when they're adults. You know. I think that the, the, these gaps and and they don't fit political uh, classification in the way that we're used we're used to, which makes it very difficult for those of us who try to analyze it. Yes. Well, do you think that this sort of war on history that's going on, um, it taps into that growing sort of laborish movement in America because it it touches on heritage and right. identity, and people who have a, a working class white heritage in in America, and as you said, it doesn't have to be white; it can be um, Hispanics or Muslims or, or black people, but they feel that their own past is being completely sort of brushed over exactly and that actually does drive anger and it may not even be able to you may not even be able to poll that kind of anger but it well, does express itself in well like if you know you if you decide that like like I'm, I'm originally from new york as anyone who knows accents would know you know when when uh when they decide we're going to get rid of columbus yeah. avenue and we're going to turn it into indigenous street i mean that's like something out of a third world dictatorship yeah. Yes, Columbus did horrible things and there were very negative things, but he was one of the most important people in world history. Yeah. And if you're Italian American, it's a particularly important thing. I, you know, I'm, I, I, I really am uh, disappointed with the mafia. They weren't able to stop that. I, <laughs> and when I was, I, my, my brother used to say to me, ah, Tony Soprano won't let this happen. Yeah, we need the Teamsters back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but you, you know, you strip away different parts of heritage, even some of the really great black heritage. Like, you know, they, they, they would tear down, you know, statues of Frederick Douglass. And, and, and what about the, the, uh, all the veterans who were black or even Asian American who did great things during the war. Yes. Uh, you know, we're going to act like, were they just foolish? Do you, you, you teach quite a lot of students. Do you feel that some students are interested in the way you frame these issues? Well, or, I, or I, I, I try to, uh, as much as possible to give them choices and to have them, read original material as much as possible. I teach a class on on the future, and I use Aldous Huxley's uh, Brave New World as the text. What was interesting, in, I think the current students are more open than the millennials were. Mm. Uh, I, I think there's the indoctrination didn't work quite as well. Like, we had a class on race. I had a good friend of mine who's from Mexico City, and she was talking about her experience with race in Mexico. Several of the kids, both male and female, said, I, I didn't like this idea that all white people are racist, you know. And two of the, the young uh, women in my class, one one was half Korean, 
half Filipino, the other one was half Thai and, and half white. And they said, my father's not a racist, you know, and, 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 and the boys, when they find when you get them to speak, which is not so easy, but when the boys, they, they resent this, this sort of categorization of, you know, of what, that if you're X, you think Y. And they said, well, how is every white person a racist? And is this an area where technology might prevent the the coming neo-feudalism? Because it's easy for people, even if, uh, Google or whatever blocks things and whatever, but it is easy for people to get a different perspective using technology. Right, but the question is, are they interested in learning it? I mean, the 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 great challenge for teachers, and this is not just at Chapman, it's at schools in general, is how much curiosity there is, and and also um, the scariest thing is is AI, because um this first this last semester is the first time I got papers that I said. You didn't write these. I could tell because the paragraphing was perfect. Yeah. And they, they don't teach paragraphing as well as like, you know, sometimes I'll get, it's like Finnegan's Wake. I get like a a, a, a paragraph that's 3,000 words. And I'm saying like, yeah. I, I try to explain, well, you think your boss is going to read this? <laughs> yeah. You know, Your boss is going to look at topic sentences and and maybe delve into it. So I, I think that what I realized is that, that, that this, in a way, AI could, as Google already has been, has become a substitute for learning and a substitute for hard work. I mean, I'm very glad my um, my youngest daughter's at Sarah Lawrence, and, you know, she's she's calling me and saying, do you understand this guy, Weber? And I happen to think Weber was one of the great geniuses of of, of the, you know, social sciences. And, I, you know, I could help her. And then my, my brother has a PhD in sociology, so I, I said, she, she emailed me and said, what about Durkheim? I said, well, I didn't really study Durkheim, so... Call your uncle Mark, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, 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 but that's unusual. This sort of passion for getting into the books. I mean, when I went to Berkeley, which is of course during the Stone Age, the whole thing wasn't the professors; it was the books. You know, we would read all. You know, I remember one class. You know, you read Schopenhauer and you read Nietzsche, and you, you know, and you really, really learned. And, and but it was those explorations of you and the book. Yes. And where things came out that were subtle or you know, had different interpretations. And now what they do is they, they, they try Google. I mean, people ask me about AI. I said, AI is just Google on steroids. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? Well, I, I'm, what I'm interested in is also it hallucinates. Um, I've been told yes, about this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did we, I think we maybe discussed this last time on Americano, but that, that it, um, it will say things that are wrong because it's trying to be creative. So that's, that's why it's most like human stuff. It's, it's, it's bluffing to a certain extent. But, it, but, it, but, it's, but since it adheres to itself, this, this, this notion of, of infallibility. Yes. And, oh, well, this if it's AI, and of course what we now know is AI is programmed. And just like Google, like for instance, I used to love Google. Just for a writer and it's still if i look for a specific article it's great but if i ask them a question what was the biggest reason for the decline in emissions and we know the answer is coal to natural gas there's nothing's even remotely close so they 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 they, when you said well isn't that the case they said it's never good to ever talk about any fossil fuel yeah i mean it's like i don't get this i mean if the if the goal is to reduce GHG, then and don't you think any method that gets you there has some val- validity? Yes. And 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 so and I I can tell you if you 
go to Google and you ask for a cultural issue, let's say, you know, about, about you know, are African-Americans making progress? You try to find, try to find an article that says it, even though there are great African-American writers like McWhorter and Laurie who you could definitely go to and find, or Thomas Sowell, um, and you can get all sorts of stuff. I'm just curious, what happens when you tell a student you've spotted that, that, they, I, that their essay is... I'll tell you what, my answer has been going back to blue books. I said no no more exams that are that are done uh, at home. Really? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just not going to allow that anymore. Yes. And, you know, because I said my job, I'm not... No, I have a lot of friends in the computer industry and, and in, in the computer science department at Chapman who are great people, but... That's not my job. I'm not a computer expert. I I don't I don't want to be the police yes. man who says, "Oh, you obviously did that." You do it in class. You can't possibly do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and let's let's end by talking about the future, uh, since you are a futurist of sorts. Would you call yourself a future a future futurologist, something like you that? You know what? Yeah. I, people always say, "Well, you are you a demographer? You were an economist?" I said, "No, I'm a writer." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, did it, you know. To me, like the people I most admire in, in history are people like Tocqueville. Yes. Marx. You know, people who wrote about Weber. Who, they wrote about a lot of things. Yes. They didn't have a one... Was Weber really an economist? Weber was everything. And I think we've lost that ability to, uh, you know, to understand that, that, that it's not specialization. So anyway, I mean, that's one of my things I find very disturbing is the attempt to specialize, which also leads to people particularly in academia being incredibly narrow about what they know yes well let's i mean so looking at the future if automation uh, ai if the revolution progresses as a lot of people think it will the the skilled artisans will eventually lose their jobs is there any way to stop a neo-feudalism when it's just a handful of tech oligarchs at the top of society well at at very least you have to not allow them to acquire all the other companies i mean if we see what's happening in ai it's google and amazon and meta all making the big investments people aren't you know they they, they, you know so i you know i think a you've got to look at the concentration of wealth and power that's one of the biggest things and then we have to start thinking about you know how what is society's value you know, and I have a lot of problems with libertarians on this. They'll say, oh, well, look at the aggregate GDP. I said, yeah, but people don't live in the aggregate. They live in, can I buy a house? Can I afford, the, you know, a dozen eggs? Can I, you know, can I afford to get to work? How long will it take me? And for most people, and, and, and you know, the reason I, I have a lot of concerns with AI is look what happened in the internet. In the very beginning, the computer revolution did create a huge uh, surge in productivity. Since then, it hasn't at all. Yes. Yeah, Peter Thiel talks about this a lot. That, that uh, Robert Gordon at, yeah. at Northwestern is really great on this stuff. That it's slowed down. It's, right. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it and it's because it, 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 it's not necessarily making anything better or work better. It, what it's done is it's removed labor, need for labor. That's probably been part of it. Yes. Uh, there is quite a tradition of anti-monopolistic right. politics in America, Teddy Roosevelt. Right. And it's something that Republicans are probably shy about, but perhaps that's the future for the Republican oh, Party, as Trump has realised. Right. Although there's no question, I mean, but there's also very strong sentiment for it among the Democrats. I mean, I think what, what's going to have to happen, is A, we're going to have to figure out a way to constrain the power of the oligarchs and not allow AI 
to sort of make it the end of the game and match and that they're in charge. That That's one thing. And I think there are lots of things that people can do that would be very useful, whether it's, you know, small scale uh, artisan manufacturing. Here, here's some positive things. 3D printing. Um, a friend of mine is developing 3D printing, using 3D printing to build houses. Mm. He can build a 1400 square foot tube, uh, Two bed, uh, three bedrooms, three bath house, for about two hundred fifty thousand. Wow! Yeah, I mean, so there are ways that we could use the technology to make it better. And then there's some very interesting thinking going on, and this is something I I I, I think about a lot, which is the dispersing dispersing the population, allowing people to live in smaller communities. You know, more artisanal production. A, a good friend of mine who. Uh, has developed a lot of interesting retail is now developing a artisan center in northern San Diego County. He says people love going to a store or, or, or a business and say, I, I need a belt that is this way or I need a bag that is this way and they make it in front of you. Yes, human craft is and, yeah. I there's enormous potential in that you know for people that get differentiated things. Um, obviously, um, in the food industry, I mean, we, you know, we should use the technology to make life better, not to make people, not to make a small group of people much richer. On that note, I think we'll end it. But Joel Gotkin, thank you very much thank for coming you. to the Spectator, and please keep writing for us. Well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's up to you guys. Well, we're we're in. We're in. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening to the Americano podcast. I would like to thank my brilliant producer Natasha Farose and the rest of the Spectator's broadcast team. If you like the podcast, please leave a review on whatever platform you are listening to us on. Thank you very much. God bless America.